Hi there. Hi, Bron. Can you hear hey. me? Hey. Yes, Hi there. I can. Okay. okay, excellent, excellent. So And we're recording. We're recording. Uh, yeah. So welcome to you both. It's been too long since I've seen your wonderful faces. I'm actually glad that we could use Zoom, even though we will be using this for the podcast, because um, number one, I think these conversations, a lot of them have to be face-to-face, even sometimes when people feel uncomfortable about it, right? Totally. Yeah. So I know you all haven't met each other. So why don't you guys just quickly introduce yourselves to the folks that might not know who you are and what business you guys run? Ladies um, first. Yeah. Ladies first. Okay. Well, my name is Desiree Dent, and I am a wedding and event planner based here in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, my company's name is Dejeuner Events, and been in business now 20 years. Go, girl. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, on top of that, I also um, have an educational platform called Wetology Toolkit, in which I offer business coaching, mentoring, easing, a certification course, you kind of name it, anything that encompasses education and bettering our industry that is that platform, Wetology Toolkit, is what I use for that. So Awesome. Awesome. And Bron? Hi, well, good afternoon or whatever time you're listening to this podcast. My name is Braun Hansborough, and I'm typically referred to as the Flower Guy. And I own and operate the Flower Guy Braun, which is located in Richmond, Virginia, where we provide bespoke floral and event styling services to everyone that will come through our door. We pride ourselves on being the people's florist and have a variety of different selections for every price point and every couple's style. Um, right now, um, I would have been typically in a ballroom or preparing for a fabulous event, but yeah. I find myself, um, just like many of you all, battling COVID-19, as well as being a one of the mouthpieces um, representing the Black wedding and events community. Not speaking for all, but just a representative um, speaking from my heart. So thank you so much it. for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad um, on short, such short notice you all were available to have this conversation. Um, I, I would be completely uh, remiss to not say, to ask the question starting off, um, what are you both thinking about after the events of this past week? And I'll start with Desiree. You know, Bernadette, I am exhausted. I, uh, I'm very tired, I'm, I'm weary, I'm sad, uh, just based on everything that has occurred over the last week or so. You know, we're now getting, heading into week two, yeah. and everything still feels like yesterday, like it happened yesterday. And so trying to digest, and I won't even say understand, because I can't understand. As a, as a black woman, I, I cannot understand this this my brother being being murdered on yeah. and witnessing that on social media and then on the news every single day so it's it's very challenging um also just from the industry perspective the wedding and events industry i've been receiving a lot of calls a lot of emails text messages any way of communication that you possibly <laughs> can utilize mm -hmm. i'm sure um from questions to negative comments wow uh, you know and it's it's hurtful in some respect but then it's also allows me to be hopeful for those peers that are embracing 
what's going on, and if for nothing else, trying to understand and soothe uh, the wound that is reopened. Sure. And how about you, Bron? What are you thinking about after this week? Well, uh, you know, it's a great question, and I echo um, Desiree's sentiments 100%. Uh, I, am, I am also depleted. Um, not only does this require a voice, but it also requires a heart and a mind. And oftentimes those two entities within myself are, are racing um, faster than even my mouth can get the thoughts and the words out. Um, but one of the things that I have been trying to be very conscious of for myself personally for preservation is to give myself permission to grieve, um, give myself permission to hurt and to feel exactly what I'm feeling exactly when I'm feeling it. Um, sure. And those emotions vary from anger to sadness to disappointment um, to even some what what I might have even misplaced as joy for some of the actions. Because, you know, what we have to what we have to realize is that this is not a new conversation and this is not a new sentiment for black people. Um, this is this is a, a very long time coming. And, you know, at a certain point when you back anyone into a corner and you take away their voice and you take away, you know, their ability to be able to provide for their families, we're speaking specifically to the industry um, and how the industry has impacted black professionals. You know, it, it's time for a voice, a loud voice, a, a, a extremely, extremely poignant voice speaking to exactly what we're experiencing, which is racism in our industry. Not always overtly, no, no one's, you know, uh, posting a new set of conference, but there's so many microaggressions and so many unspoken and unbelieved bias that, that our nation carries and that our, our industry perpetuates. So I'm thinking of a ton of things. And like I said, half of the time, I cannot get out all of my thoughts. Sure. Well, you know, it's um, personally heartbreaking for me to hear how depleted you both are because um, over the last few years, as I've gotten to know both of you, uh, I will say that you are two of the two of you are two of the most inspiring and positive. I mean, I, I follow you both on on different social platforms, which isn't to say I know you know every you know iota of your time, but you always try to keep it positive. You always try to find the way to find the light, and so to know that you're hurting so badly, and that so many people in the community are hurting so badly is is just heartbreaking to hear. But one of the things I think some people hear, I I, I hear it all the time, you know is that when people don't know the specifics of what those experiences are that, you know, you have the lived experiences of racism. Um, and to some degree, I think people of color around this country each have a story, whether it is they come from an immigrant family or if they come from the experiences that we hear so much about and, and really rip us apart. So one of the things I wanted to ask you both to detail and share so people really understand and understand the why behind the herd is if you could just give us an example of something either overt or even micro, because the micro happens all the time, as you said, Braun. So, you know, starting with Desiree, I just want people to understand, you know, what these things feel like and what these experiences have been like for you. So I'll start with Desiree. Well, Bernadette, there have been so many. We'd be on here, or at least I would be, I'm sure Brian too, we'd be on here for <laughs> quite several hours, if not days. 
sure. um, you know, being in being in industry for as long as I have been, there have been so many microaggressions, so many forms of racism, rather it's bold and blatant or small and, and minute. There's there's something all the time. Um, the initial story that I, I can think of, because like I said, there's several <laughs> that I can think of right at this very moment, is coming into an environment, a networking event, and um, fairly new in the, in the industry. And again, when I come into an event, I come in as Desiree. I come in as a black woman with black skin. I can't hide it, okay? This is, this is what you see first. And um, coming into an environment where I knew a few people and knew some names, but hadn't again grown the business as as it has now. But I'm, as you know, Bernadette, I'm I'm friendly. I speak, yeah. um, you know. So going into an environment and 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 you speak, and no one says anything back, as if they didn't hear. And so yeah. I speak again. Nothing. Okay. All right, and and the sad part is I'm used to that. No Even one outside ever of the be used industry, to that. I'm I'm used to being invisible. Now I'm not gonna stand there and be invisible, but I am used to it. And so after that occurred, I was like, okay, let's. I see how this night is gonna go. Um, let's go to the bar, grab a drink, and I go sit down. And there was a planner, um, and. Uh, and, and I'll say where we were in Chicago, we were at Vera Wang. Uh, she was having her, uh, one of her trunk shows uh, a while back. And so I sit down and I said, oh, hey, how are you? And I know she heard, I know she heard. And she literally turned her back and I know I'm motioning this, but yeah. if you could get a visual of sitting straight forward like kind of with your head turned to the right to speak to someone and they literally turn their back to you as if you didn't say anything or as if I don't have time for you. Why are you speaking to me? And I had a moment <laughs> that I had to kind of suppress um, because again, I, even through these instances, I will always say I remain professional. I'm not going to ever let anybody allow me to come out of my body and be a different person. Um, but in that moment, I was like, wow, this is, this is how this night's going to go. And there have been, been so many occasions like that, Bernadette, and going to networking events. And even when your name is known, people still those that have worked behind you still ignoring you and the craft and possibly even the path that you've paid for them to be um, where they are that I honestly, and this is all honestly and honest and true. I stopped going to networking events for, for quite some time. I'm very, I'm very select now in where I go because I just don't, I don't want that energy on me. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sadly, I've seen some of that happen at other events and it's terrible and it's uh, you know it's the humanity of that moment for you and for the person that did not speak to you I you know we as an industry have to get better I hear that a lot but I'm gonna go to you Braun and, and have you kind of detail something that maybe you've experienced that you'd like yeah. everybody to kind of understand yes yeah, certainly and I have experiences from a couple of different perspectives so I'm gonna try to keep it quick 
So the first perspective I'd like to share is the perspective as a vendor on site. And on site here in Richmond at probably arguably one of the top ballrooms in our city, a private club, very exclusive, um, members only, men only. I'll even go as far to say that. So they have some structural, some core value issues right there. Sure, yeah. Um, not, not to mention the hall of Confederate soldier images that are eight foot tall. And, you know, it's a, and there is a certain culture there that you can feel that you're not welcome. But to make it clear that we were not welcome, um, installing probably what was close to $20,000, $30,000 worth of flowers. Um, I was told by the banquet lead that the florist and his team need to get the F out of the way. And so, that, so that's a perspective from a vendor. And that, that behavior was okay. It, that there was no one in that building that me or my team could have gone to that would have defended or understood where we were coming from because it was a culture of racism in that building. So that is as a vendor, and that is not the only experience that we have that we have encountered similar to that. And then in terms of networking and um, you know trying to uplift the local community. I served on a board and at our planning meeting, I proposed a year and a half ago, a diversity goal. The goal was specific to race and the conversation was diminished to say that diversity could be more caterers, diversity could be more photographers, diversity could be more planners. They were unwilling to address race head on, even though we had two black members. And so it and when we went up to vote, two black members were the only two who supported the diversity goal. And now here we find ourselves in a in a world where diversity and race specific diversity is the center of the universe. And then to take it one step on a national level, um, as a speaker, um, I proposed a year and a half ago to one of the largest conferences that exist in our industry. I proposed a specific topic called embracing the black wedding and event community. This was just a year and a half ago. In December, no, this wasn't even a year and a half ago, I, I'm, I'm mistaken. I received the feedback in December that my topic was not, not just not accepted, the words in the feedback were hate, the topic, love, mm -hmm. Ron. Oh we would gosh. be more open to this topic, and I could be reading it from my email. We would be more open to this topic if it included all communities. That is a quote that, that a national conference put in writing to me, totally diminishing the Black events community. Sure. As, if I can, as if I can speak and, and advocate effectively for an Asian community or a Hispanic community. I'm black and I, I have a responsibility to speak on what I know. And so those are three different perspectives, a national perspective, a local perspective, and then as a vendor. So to think that this is isolated to localities, I live in the capital of the Confederacy. So it is heavy and it is in, 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 entrenched in the way that we think. So much so, 
that as a black person growing up in Richmond, I strangely took pride in Monument Avenue, which is spotted with Confederate monuments. I had no clue the society and culture where I live celebrated slave culture and slave related images and images that support oppression. And, you know, so there's so many different things, but those are the three things, keeping it short and cute. There's no. a national perspective, there yeah. is a vendor perspective, and then there is a continuing education perspective and yeah. all are flawed right now. Terribly yeah, flawed. I, and I think what people try to do is they kind of try to lump everything together as if it's monolithic. And I think that's why people misunderstand why the idea of Black Lives Matter is different than the idea that we're just saying, oh, all lives matter, because the experiences, the lived experiences of Black people in America has been so spotted and dotty and with all of the different things that have happened over time. Not only the things that people study in their classrooms, but every single day before really the advent of the uh, cell phone cameras, I, I would say, is that Thank we- Thank you to social media, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. we wouldn't have known. I mean, you know, let me say this. We wouldn't, we may not have re-energized this movement because it's not new. Okay, let sure, me just- yeah. Black Lives Matter movement is not new. <laughs> it's, first of all, for a Black, woman a black man is not ever new to us it's all yeah. that's what it's always been but because of social media it's now put into the spotlight for the world sure I, you know i wanted that one of the things that i wanted to ask you desiree because we spoke a couple days ago and i think mm -hmm. people go you know people think well you know we, there's this there's a lot of of imagery and instances where you see you know young black men being pulled over and you were saying your daughter was going to go to work and you still have the worry because we know that it's not just happening to young black men. Yes, I, um, my daughter is, uh, she's working, uh, has been working at a, a restaurant called Portillo's. Anybody knows Portillo's is good. Delicious. <laughs> um, and um, when the riots started to occur on Saturday here in Chicago, they were in the, they were in the downtown area. Um, I say Chicago, but I'm actually in a, bur a suburb, so I just say Chicago to sum it up. Um, Sunday is, this past Sunday, is when they moved out to the suburbs and spread out. And my daughter was supposed to work that day. Make a long story short, they contacted her about four hours before she was supposed to work and told her not to come in because they said it was unsafe. Well, leading, um, you know, not leading up, but moving past all of that, she didn't work for several days. And the day that I spoke to you, Bernadette, she was to go back to work. And I was very nervous uh, about it because for one, our expressway uh, ramps were still closed and we, are, we, are, uh, we were under curfew. And actually that has just been lifted. And so my concern um, as a mother, but then as of a young black woman driving who's got a nice car, she's 18, um, she can't get back to her neighborhood because the ramps are closed. So if she's trying to get off or she, you know, she gets lost or something, I'm worried about her asking for assistance or help. Um, or if they pull her over, and I say they, police, if they pull her over, 
you know, and everything's not in order. I hope it is. But again, she's not been pulled over. She's been watching the media just as we all have. So she's nervous. And they read that what could occur. And um, prayerfully, nothing did happen that night. But me and her father were definitely on alert. Like, okay, we know she gets off at this time. Let's stay by the phone or talk to us, you know, on the on the Bluetooth while you're coming home. We need to know what's going on. Because it's just it's just completely insane that you have to think like that as as, yeah. as a black individual. But that's now becoming a norm because we just don't know. You don't know, Bron. Do you have any experiences you want to share about the the thought process you have to have every day while you're just trying to get to and from? Yeah, home? yeah. So so keeping like for me like relating it to events, um, I have a very diverse team, um, but not being mistaken like the core of my team is black my lead designer is black um you know most of the core of my team is black however we do have diverse candidates on our team as well so i find myself being hyper vigilant on site um sure. I, I am always i always have my eyes and my ears open because they could be down in a rabbit's hole doing what i told them to do um which is exactly what i expect but they might not catch the microaggression or they might not catch a disrespectful comment or gesture things that i my pay grade is supposed to catch because i can have those conversations with the powers that be so i find myself you know giving my team extreme pep talks before we go into certain venues um, sure. making it very clear that that you know that the expectation is that we don't succeed because we're not supposed to work at the same level or higher of some of our white counterparts and and that's evident in the the lack of referrals it's evident in um the comments that i get and i see and the surprise looks when i show up at certain places so i find myself educating my team and making them aware so that they can be equipped to to be successful in an environment that has been created for them not to be successful. So, you know, when, when some of our white counterparts wake up on a Saturday morning to go set up a venue, an event, they don't have to think about any of these things. All they have to think about is showing up and performing as opposed to showing up, staying safe, not being disrespected, it, making sure that your service is valued. And it, and it, and it is absolutely, um, it's time consuming, it's distracting from the work, but it is necessary for me to do. So um, event specific, those are some of the things that, and thought processes that we unfortunately have to have um, prior to working in the industry that we all love that's a little bit different than how other people may approach wedding day. I, I wonder for both of you, does that make you immediately very discerning about where you even work because venue no. to venue? No, not me. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I need to make money. I have to eat. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I have to work just like anyone else. And I have a team. I want my team to be able to work. Um, I have a, you know, I also have a good creative team that I work with and I want them to be able to work as well. So, you know, in, in situations where I have dealt with, Discriminatory uh, discrimination, racist acts. Um, my, I, I am big on staying away from that person or that segment whenever possible because for me, I need to remain professional. 
not only for the company that I've created, but for the clients that have hired us to make sure that this wedding or event happens the way it's supposed to. And I yeah. never want someone to see me act differently um, than I should, because that's not, yeah. that's not the brand I've created. But yes, I, I will go, but I will do like Brian. We got to do a pep talk before I go in there and yeah. away from such and such. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, I, no. you know, Bernadette, I keep it real. So yeah, you do uh, keep it real. It's, it's just, it is what it is. I don't have the luxury of saying, no, I'm not going to work in a particular location because sadly the flip of that, I don't have the luxury of being considered to work in every location. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. on the same for you as well. Yeah. Well, I, I have made a stance um, maybe three or four years ago that I would not put my team nor myself in the position to work in a plantation. Um, and where we are based, um, there's a, a strip of, of, of road right outside of the main city of Richmond called Plantation Alley. And some of the most notable plantations, some of the most, um, you know, violent plantations, some of the worst treatment um, of enslaved people happened in the, on these properties. Sure. And for some reason, um, for, for, for white couples, it, they find nostalgia in getting married in a place that represents a, a, a racial divide and political stronghold and oppression of black people. And, you know, I struggle with where the, where the novelty comes there outside sure. of the beauty of the space. But, you know, when I walk a space, I'm not just looking at it, I'm feeling it. And when I walk onto a plantation, I feel my ancestors' spirits. And I refuse to put a majority black team in a condition, in a situation to have to work, whether it's paid or not, on the ground in which our forefathers and mothers um, slaved, were enslaved. So I, I cannot, and I probably can't afford to do that. But I mean, every year I still get countless inquiries and I lose tens of thousands of dollars, but I don't see it as a loss. I see it as um, a gain of integrity and a demonstration of a constant commitment to eradicate racism in our, in our market. And I have been preaching this for years, My, I mean, to you know, the point of being blue in the face, my friends in the industry, those who share my collaborative workspace, all of them know, please do not get a conversation started sure. about, race, about race in the industry because Braun is going to be very passionate about it. So when the not took the stance that they were no longer going to romanticize weddings on those type of properties, you know, it was like, yes, yes. Now I have been making this statement here, but to have you all make that statement and then for us to be having this conversation yeah. is, the, is what, what brings forth that continuity um, and taking it from conversation to action. Sure. I, I will tell, I'm going to be very transparent and honest that um, I was in New Orleans last November and I did go to a plantation as a historical walkthrough. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at the time I was there with a, a friend who was a New Orleanian who, whose mom, her, her, actually his, his aunt worked there. And, you know, I will tell you that the experience was never at any moment a celebration of the brutality of that plantation. It actually was an education of how terrible the conditions were and how people were treated. And it, sh it showed the names of the enslaved mothers and fathers and children as they were separated. It showed us the quarters that they lived in. And in some ways, it 
educated me even more because I had never done that. I had never seen yeah. in person what that was about. Now, I'm not saying that any of what you just said is invalid. I'm saying mm -hmm. it would in any way um, show some ability to take a step forward into bettering the experiences for everybody in the community if those venues who may be owned by I don't know who, but but they may employ people of color that need those jobs or may employ other people or may even be owned by a person of color, I don't know. But would any gesture to make sure that the experience isn't a romantic, you know, romanticizing those times, but that at least every person that walks through there really understands what this represents to you and yeah. your community. Yeah, you know, I, this is going to be somewhat of a loaded response, and I don't no, want to offend any anyone no, listening. No. I think that the the only reconciliation is a national reconciliation at every monument that enslaved and black people have built. If you, there's no building, there's no monument in this country that is of any substantial age that, that was not built by slaves, including the White people. House including the White House. White so House. when we talk, when we, when we dial it down and talk about plantations, I, I grew up here again in the capital of the Confederacy where slavery is often taught in some classrooms as a form of indentured servitude or even a choice. So, so we start there like with telling a true narrative, but also making it clear in this country to all people Black folk, we already know it, but making it clear to everyone else that these spaces that we enjoy, um, you know, you go to DC and you see all of these national monuments, all of those monuments were built by slaves. So if we're gonna have a conversation about how not to romanticize it, we have to tell the truth. And the so truth, I feel yeah. like everywhere we go, that is a, a, a monument to oppressed black people in this country, it needs to be said. And, and will, will it get old? I'm sure it'll get old, but the, well, actually, does the truth ever really get old? You don't want to hear it, but it's the reality. And I think once you yeah. start, and one of the things we're missing in our country and in our industry is stories. We're, proximity to Black people. And I got this quote, I think, from Terrica Skaggs. I think I got it from Terrica. Um, and one of the things is proximity to Black people does not equate to relationship. And you really need to understand the context and the stories to what you're talking about and what you're seeing and experiencing. Please get away from sound bites on news shows. Look at both sides, understand the bigger picture, and yeah. have a conversation with a person of color to get that perspective. Yeah. And the only way that that can happen is to start having these conversations in your home with your families and i think you'd be surprised of the biases for some of you that have children younger children some of the bias that they already have that you might not have even taught but that society has taught them and then you start that conversation at the next cocktail party where everyone wants to just have fun but then you hear as a white person or uh, or other person a microaggression against an entire community it's your responsibility to say something. Um, so, you know, we start at home and then we build out into our communities and our individual industries. And that's where we'll start to see the change. I don't even remember what the question was, but I know I just no. went on, on, a, no, on, a, no, no. On, a, on a tangent. <laughs> no, this is um, a, the right, the conversation that I think is happening, not only just with us, but across the country. 
um, is what can we do on a national level? What can we do in our own homes? And then what can we do from a even a legislative perspective? But also, I think I think what you're saying, and, and I think it's um, it kind of comes down to what I think we're seeing in the streets is that um, this is a human issue. It, it, when allies issue. across the board can get together and agree that treatment of people of color over time has been so not understood. And again, to your point with even what Tarek is saying is that proximity to those experiences is, is step one, but it's, it's also having these, these real conversations, right, Desiree? Yes, I agree. Um, you know, the conversations have to be had. Um, and those who are listening can't be afraid to listen. Okay, we understand as, as black individuals that right now, half of the world, if not majority of the world is feeling real uncomfortable right now. Yeah. You know, everybody's uncomfortable. Everybody's not feeling their normal selves. Well, this is how black people feel on a daily basis, on a regular basis. And for us to be able to speak our truth, to share our experiences, to embrace that and share it with someone else and you squirm a little bit or, you know, you're feeling some kind of way or your face kind of, you know, you squirm yeah. or whatever it may be, deal with it. Yeah. There, there's no other way for me to say that nicely. And, and if it came off brash, I apologize, but I don't know how else to say it. No, I don't think, yeah. yeah. You know, because we're not here to, to sugarcoat we're not sure. here to embellish. These are our experiences. And if you are truly serious about learning about our experiences, what we go through in this industry, what we go through on a daily basis, then you have to sit in it. You have yeah. to sit in it and you have to look at yourself and also ask yourself, how have you been a part of those types of feelings? What have yeah. you done? potentially in your home or potentially while you were out or even while you were at an event or a wedding or whatever it may be, what did you do to also add to the oppression that we already feel? Um, I'm seeing a lot of people um, on social media who are pretending because they want to be a part of the movement. This is life. It's not just something, this movement is not just going to go away for us as Black individuals in two weeks or a month. This is something that we will be dealing with forever because of the racial environment, <laughs> racial climate that we deal with here in the United States and abroad. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of people who want to be allies in a sense, but they don't want to take the time to educate themselves. They want us to give you, give them the answers. And that's not my, that's not my job. My job is not to give you all of the answers on how to make uh, black people feel better or how to, um, you know, yeah. feel inclusion and divert. That's not my job. That's, that's not my job at all. Can I educate? Can I facilitate? Can I assist? Yes. But you have to take the initiative to want to learn. Yeah. To want to study, to want to understand for us to genuinely embrace that allyship. Just yeah. posting something on social media. I, I mean, I'm so tired of seeing Martin Luther King quotes. <laughs> it's it. We, we know who Martin Luther King is. There, is, there are so many other Black uh, leaders 
even in yeah. our industry currently, so many other black professionals that you can speak about, even in your community, in your yeah. neighborhood. Get to know them, talk to them. Sure. What are, what, is, what are among some of the things that you would want people to do to get educated? You know, and I know you said talk to your local community members, whether you have a John Lewis in your neighborhood as a congressman and somebody who walked across that bridge in Selma, or if it is, uh, you know, in, on, in a congressional district where you have a local board of, with experienced people who have lived in the world and is, have experienced things over time. But what among some of those things and beyond would you want them to watch, read, talk to? Are there any specific things that you would suggest for people to do the work? Yeah, um, I'll take that one. So I believe that this is a um, this is a grassroots effort, and I think that it, it starts with feet on the ground and mouths to ears. And we can have all of the conversations that we want, but if the listeners are not listening to hear and understand, and and not just listening to respond with talking points, and that's a lot of what I've gotten. Um, I have, I am doing the work. I think that, you know, the, the, the work that we people see on social media, the podcast, the webinars, you know, the posts on social media are just the tip of the iceberg or should be the tip of the iceberg as to what we're all doing. I think what, what people shouldn't be seeing is the, are the phone calls and the emails and the strategy behind how we're really moving the needle forward. Um, but for me, I, I just encourage everyone to, simply consider the possibility that there is another perspective that is just as real as yours. I would be totally fine if my white counterpart came to me and said, hey, Bron, I, hear, I see and I'm hearing your perspective. I also have one and it's different. Transparency, I can deal with transparency. I can't deal with there is no issue. Um, this is all made up. This is a political ploy. You know, I, I can't deal with anyone or anything who says that this is not real. So I think that we need to wake up. I think that the rioting, as destructive as it may be, is a wake up call um, because it's not until you start destroying communities. Um, it's not until you start, you know, having an economic impact on areas that they start to listen. So I'm encouraging people to be quiet, silence all of the noise, and start listening with your heart, and then start to perpetuate those same conversations again in your house, in your community, in your networking groups, everywhere you go, even in the places where you may feel the safest. I have a neighbor who's a part of a group of girlfriends that have been super close since college and their husbands are all friends and their wife the wives are all friends and all the children are like cousins and they have a really cute name that they call themselves and it's been made very clear to me that there are a couple of not just super conservative but super ignorant because it's not this is not a conservative versus liberal conversation it's not a political sure. conversation it's a human conversation. human conversation and it's been and it's been made very clear that there are a few people in that group that have unhuman perspectives about the world and you can use your imagination and so i've had to have conversations with my friend and say 
Do you realize the type of monster that you have created? Do you realize the type of conversations that your friend is having with their children, which then we wonder how racism perpetuates itself. And then are you wondering what type of conversations their children are having with yours on the playground while everything is laughing and funnier in the pool? But this is how bias are introduced. So to eliminate that and to really make an impact, be quiet, silence all the friction and the distraction and use your heart and listen. Sure. And Desiree, for you, are there anything specific that anything specific that you would want, not just people in our industry who I, I'm glad that we'll have this conversation so people in our industry will listen. But I think again, to Bron's point, this is a human experience. This is something that, that appeals to our humanity and our hearts. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I definitely agree 1000% with what Bron said is listen. You know, for, from the perspective of not to speak, and to already have your thoughts in process and how you're going to vocalize what you're hearing, but just, just pause. Sometimes silence is necessary so that you can truly attempt, because I don't think you'll digest it immediately because this is an ongoing conversation. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to hear it more than once. You're gonna to have to hear it from a lot of different people, um, but hearing it, and listening are two different things. You need mm -hmm. to listen. And I, I definitely agree also with what Brian said, listening with your heart. These experiences that we share are our experiences. Did we yeah. want these to happen? Did, did we wanna be treated like this? Industry and outside of industry? No. Why would we wanna be treated differently because our skin is darker? Yeah. Why? Yeah. We didn't ask to be born like this but we embrace it, we love it, it's beautiful. And so if we're speaking to someone and we are sharing those moments or something that has bothered us or, or, or anything that is in the past that's now really coming into the forefront because of this open wound, the wound that has just been, the band-aid's just been ripped off now. Every, everyone is raw. Yeah. So, you, you know, you just, you literally listening. Um, as far as, you know, People have asked me personally, um, you know, who should I follow on social media? What books should I read? And I'm not a library, <laughs> okay? Um, for me, my, my perspective is a bit different. I'm, I'm one of those is if you really want to have a conversation with me, you will take the initiative to learn yeah. something yourself so that then when you bring it to me, we can have a discussion. Yeah. And it's not just me speaking over and over again for the next however many hours. I want to have an intelligence discussion with someone who, who was willing to take the initial step to learn for themselves, to learn right. of my experience. There's a million books out there. There's a many, million podcasts. You can follow so, a trillion people on social media. There's information. Google. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You want to have yeah. an intelligent conversation with me, a, a conversation that is going to go beyond um, and, and carry into the future, then I welcome it when you bring me some information that we can discuss. Because me just handing it to you, you, got, you received that in school and nothing was any different. You yeah. received it at home, nothing's different. So educate yourself first or attempt to educate yourself first and then let's have that conversation. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. So I, I mentioned at the top of the call um, that I 
had my experiences with both of you um, is that you guys are very optimistic and you're you really want to change things. You really want to move us forward. So I wanted to ask you in terms of the idea of diversity and inclusion, we've talked about the challenges, but do you see are there any things that you're optimistic about at this moment? And what can we start doing better starting tomorrow? Well, <laughs> so I would, I, I am optimistic and I tend to try to focus on, on the positive side of things all the time. Sure. This is one of those moments in history that we're all privileged to experience where my optimism is is a little different. It's not sheer optimism. I think that um, I definitely have my moments where I'm like, oh, is, 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 this, is this the movement or, or is this the trend? Um, but to your question, I would say, Yes, yeah, so we're fortunate enough to be experiencing this historical moment. And what I am passionate about is the diversity that I see on the street. I think that I am seeing more people of different backgrounds, of different ages, totally appalled by the conditions. And now, I'll take now. I think a lot of people are focusing on what has not been done. And this is not singling anyone out, but I think our mass focus should be, all right, are you ready to press the gas pedal now? Yeah. And so I'm, ex I'm excited about seeing multiple communities um, joining forces, coming together, and, and really moving the race needle forward. So I think that since I'm seeing that socially here in Richmond, again, the capital of the Confederacy, um, my family and I had the privilege of driving and walking and taking pictures at the Robert E. Lee Monument on Monument Avenue, and it's coming down. The city owns, um, and the city is taking it down. And so, you know, just to Bravo. be a part bravo hey. right long overdue long so overdue. i'm again i'm excited about communities coming together i'm seeing it um and which is again why i'm encouraging people to open their minds and their eyes consider watching a, a different outlet consider having different conversations with different people so that you can get a much broader perspective and join the movement that your your counterparts your white counterparts are participating in your asian counterparts your hispanic counterparts your senior citizens um, and everybody is a part of this conversation. So I'm excited to see everyone joining. That's great. I, I do think we're in a moment. Um, Desiree, how, what are what things might you be feeling optimistic about? Well, you know me, Bernadette. I try to remain optimistic on, on all levels. Um, for me, I'm, I'm so excited um, about those that are genuinely interested in being a part of the movement. Um, I, I have to say my heart is full from people who have just reached out, rather it's a phone call or a text message um, or a DM, you know, whatever. Maybe you know, Bernadette, when you contacted me was a few days ago, we were just having our, a conversation. I was just so excited to talk to you um, because it's it's very heartwarming right now. And I, and I have to say that I really believe that communities, we can see it. Communities are coming together because the, the, the Gen Z, they're tired. Okay, they they have seen a lot, <laughs> they have witnessed a lot, and they are so about blending, 
um, you know, families, cultures, and they're embracing this movement and embracing us in our totality and saying, hey, we're standing with you. We're walking with you. We're doing, you know, we're, we're going place we, we support. I, I appreciate all of it. Seeing that camaraderie is, is exciting to me. It gives me hope. Not hope for just today or next week, but beyond, because this is a fight that will continue. And I truly do believe now, not before, but now that because mm -hmm. it's in the forefront, that people are truly going to do what they say if they have that genuine heart and that genuine spirit. And I'm seeing it. I have to just be hopeful mm -hmm. about that. But I will say this. For those that are in businesses and corporations, and they've made all of these announcements, and you know how we're going to add inclusion and diversity departments, and all of these things, we see, and we're going to hold you accountable. And I say we, not just as Black individuals, but for anybody who wants to stand in support and solidarity, solidarity, we are going to hold you accountable. No longer being silent. And just saying, oh, well, you know, we're part of this movement this week. It'll go away once something else hits. No, I don't think that's going to happen this time. And that truly is what excites me because I believe we're going to see a lot of people standing up and saying, hey, that's enough. That's it. You know, I think it, I, I think mm -hmm. it was um, probably the first question you had, you had asked, Bernadette. And I don't, don't remember the actual question, but I remember Brian's response. Um, as far as how to keep the conversation going, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one if that's, yeah. if that's okay. Keep, move forward from this point. With everyone who's, I'm sure, reached out to myself and Brian and all the other uh, Black professionals in industry, I, I hear this a lot of the times, like, we don't know what to say. We're scared of, of what to say or how do we do, you know, they want to tiptoe. This is not the time to tiptoe. Okay, everybody has a voice. Now, how you decide to use that voice is completely up to you. And when I say voice, it might not necessarily be you sitting on a platform or a podcast or a live and being vocal. Your voice can be used in so many other ways. There are um, tons of beautiful black professionals that you can endorse by sharing their business or referring their business to your colleague or to your counterpart. Yeah. Um, you know, you can write a review, a positive review about a business that you have worked with and, you know, share that on various platforms. Um, you literally could, um, you know, share their social media, comment on the social media, tag on the social media. Or when someone is, you know, asking specific questions, put that person's handle in the comments. There's so many other ways that you can be vocal versus just actually using your voice. It's still the idea of using the voice. You're just using the means that you have or what you feel most comfortable with. And I say, <clears throat> I give those examples simply because I've come across a lot of people, even in um, the live that I had did today with the knot, you know, how do you channel that? And I understand that people are comfortable. I get it. Okay. You're uncomfortable. It, it happens. It has happened. We've been uncomfortable for eons. Okay. Um, right now is not the time to be silent. So use that air quote voice the best way you can. But also when you are out and about and you see discrimination, you see someone being racist and or being talked about, 
because a lot of what occurs when it comes to the discrimination is specifically in our industry in the wedding and events industry is done behind our backs okay mm -hmm. and so another way you can use your voice is stand up and say something say hey stop I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be a part of that conversation because it's negative about a peer of mine, about a pro friend of mine. You can always use your voice that way to stop someone from being racist, to stop someone from discriminating against another person. Um, and a lot of that needs to really happen. I've been in environments where I've heard conversation. I've also had conversation brought to me. And I'll stop it. And when a lot, and, and, and if we can do that and collaboratively do that, bring that voice, hear us roar because it will ultimately stop. But if you're a part of that disease, that, 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 that conversation that's festering, you're a part of this problem as well. You're, you're a part of this problem as well. So not just having a voice of sharing businesses and all of that, but also use your voice to stop the negativity, yeah. to stop the discrimination. Um, just real quick, I had a call today um, about um, a particular uh, business venture. And uh, a, a friend of mine in the industry asked me, did I know someone? And I said, yeah, I, I don't know, but I've, I've heard of their business name. And, and he went on to say, well, you know, they, they, they had something negative to say, not about you, but about the movement. And my question to him was, what, what did you your say? response? <laughs> what did you say? How did I know? What did right. you say? Can you can you enlighten me on what you said? I don't care what that person had to say. I'm used to hearing all of that. But what did you say to defend yeah. a race of people? Yeah. You know, that that also needs to occur as we move forward. It definitely is uh something that people need to hear from you is that when 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 you are stay silent and if you don't stand up for what you're seeing in front of you you're part of the problem very much part so. of the problem and Bron, did you have something to add to that because it sounds it looks like you yeah, had just yeah. just a just a general some general um commentary uh i think that what i well what i don't want to happen is for us to have all of this momentum and then we rush to the next step um, as excited as, and anxious as I am to get to the action part, I think that in order for this to be a sustainable movement, um, we're going to have to we're preserving ourselves. I know that I started posting, you know, at a at a very fast rate, and you know, every thirty minutes I was trying to come up with a different description for someone. <laughs> When yeah. I, and I believe that that was exactly what was on my heart to do at the time. Sure. Um, and then over the weekend, I was so depleted that I needed to give myself permission to do absolutely nothing and that just be okay. So what I don't want to happen is for us to rush this conversation and rush out of this, excuse me, this discomfort. Um, I think that that's going to be the next conversation. Like, okay, well, we, everyone knows racism exists. So how do we move forward? We're like, let's stop talking about it and be about it. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I believe that the most fantastic things have been birthed simply out of discord. And so I think that it's important that we hover here for a little while longer.
so that more people can be uncomfortable and more people can join the conversation and more people can start to do and understand the work that needs to be done. I, the last thing I want to hear is, all right, so we, we, we've exhausted this conversation similarly to how when a Black person mentions the impact of slavery, um, chattel slavery on the Black experience, Oh, well, it was over a hundred years ago. But in my world, that was my grandmother's grandmother. And we all know our grandparents, most of us who have been fortunate enough to have them, or we can conceptualize the parent of my parent, which is yeah. not that far removed. And to think that my grandmother knew a slave is like, what? And that slave that could not read, which then education was not a focus, um, it was more about agriculture and work and, and making an income and how that impacts generations. So I could talk about it for days, but yes, let's not be so ex excited and anxious to rush through the conversation. Let's exist in discomfort for a little while longer. Let's take our time and make sure that our messaging is clear and concise. And if we make a promise, let's deliver on it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Accountability. And let's sit in this discomfort right. a little longer. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, I couldn't think of two people that I really wanted to speak to about this. And I'm glad we actually got to Zoom and see each other's faces. Yes. Um, because yes. I missed you both. And um, I've been rooting for you guys since the moment we've met. I mean, Bron and I met like a minute later, and then we were out to dinner, and then we were like, hey, how can yes. we see each other? Um, and Connect, and connected at the hip ever since. Yeah, right after yes. that. But, Thanks to you both for sharing not only your experiences, but um, your thoughts on the way forward and for really being committed for this and wanting not only for us to have this conversation now, but know this is a marathon. This is going to be time for us to, this is just the start. And I want to continue these conversations with you. And I want to figure out other ways that we can work together to move the industry forward and move the world forward. Because again, this is not just about the industry, which we love, but it's about the human experiences that everybody needs mm -hmm. to understand and come to with an open heart. So thank you both. Thank Absolutely. you for staying up. I know it's late on the East Coast thank in, you. in Richmond. And thank you, Desiree.